Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is January the 19th, 2024. It's been 3,645 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 330 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast looks at events that happened yesterday. During the podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed, and there is a link in the podcast description. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine Morning Reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. There are some changes from yesterday. 1. Our assessment that Russia would launch a large-scale missile attack against Ukraine's civilian and civilian infrastructure in the immediate future was inaccurate. Russian activity in the last 24 hours suggests there are missile inventory and intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance issues. 2. We maintain it is unlikely that the United States will provide additional military or financial aid to Ukraine in 2024. 3. The continued impasse in the United States Congress to provide additional military aid to Ukraine and the passive response to Russian kinetic and hybrid aggression is contributing to Russia's expanding access with North Korea and Iran and global hybrid warfare. 4. We maintain the armed forces of Ukraine are facing critical ammunition shortages that are directly impacting the ability to maintain existing defensive lines. 5. We maintain that Ukrainian forces no longer have the combat potential to engage in any offensive operations, and Russian troops are capable of additional tactical success and achieving limited operational goals. 6. The reduction in Ukrainian combat potential is a direct result of blocked aid from the United States and the European Union. 7. Russian forces have established an operational objective to capture Chasiv Yar, west of Bakhmut. 8. Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations and are committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost, and are maintaining a force of at least 40,000 troops. 9. We maintain that combat that closely resembles World War I trench warfare versus 21st century combined arms maneuver warfare will continue through meteorological winter, which ends on February 29. 10. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. We are very troubled by the latest report from the International Atomic Energy Agency and the lack of international attention. We begin in Kharkiv and Luhansk, in the Kupinsk area of operation, or AO, in Kharkiv oblast. 
Russian forces increased their activity, including launching multiple attacks in the direction of Sinkivka without success. A geolocated video showed Ukrainian drone operators attacking four Russian infantry fighting vehicles on the southern edge of Pershotravneva, destroying an entire platoon. We link to the video and other pictures and resources mentioned in today's podcast in our daily situation report. There is more information in the podcast description, and we offer a seven-day free subscription trial. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian troops supported by the Aerospace Forces, or VKS, attempted to advance on Ivanivka, Kislivka and Tabaivka. Ukrainian sources reported that Russian troops were able to advance east of Tabaivka, but there is no visual evidence. In the Svatovyeo of Luhansk Oblast, a Russian attack in the direction of Berestova, Kharkiv, was repulsed. Northwest of Kremlin 9, Luhansk Oblast, Russian attacks in the direction of Makiivka continued, but at a lower operational tempo. Fighting continued east of Terny and Yampolivka near the Luhansk-Donetsk Oblast administrative border. The Russian Ministry of Defense, or Armod, reported fighting in the area of Dubrova, and GSAFU reported that Ukrainian positions near the village were shelled. Significant positional fighting was ongoing in the Serebransky woods. In the Lysychanskoyo, fighting continued east of Bilohorivka, with Ukrainian forces under significant pressure. In occupied Luhansk, former private military company, or PMC, Wagner Group mercenaries claim they broke up a drug trafficking ring. There are more details in the Russian Mobix mobilization and Mir section. Writing about the incident, Russian mercenary mill blogger Romanov Light provided insight into life in the so-called Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR, stating, quote, The LNR is famous for its wild territory and lawlessness. We also know that peacetime procedural norms do not always work in war zones. No. Luhansk wasn't famous for being a wild, lawless territory before 2014, when Russian Mir arrived. Next, let's talk about the Donbass. In the Solidario, Armod claimed that Russian forces had captured the village of Vesele without any photographic evidence. Ukrainian source Deep State said the village, quote, practically lost. Russian mail blogger Maltic Sam expressed skepticism, writing six hours after the armored claim, quote, There is information about the withdrawal of units of the 10th Separate Mountain Assault Brigade of the Ukrainian Armed Forces from Vesele, which currently remains in the Grey Zone. We are waiting for confirmation, unquote. GSAFU released a rare evening report with no mention of Vesele, but Kyiv had not recently reported fighting in the area. We adjusted the gray area using terrain analysis, but did not move the line of conflict. Pictures, or it didn't happen. In the Bakhmutio, GSFU reported that Russian troops supported by the VKS launched four attacks on the edges of Bogdanivka without success. Russian mercenary mail blogger War Gonzo said fighting continued in the area of Hromova, and a Ukrainian video showed Russian positions being attacked by drones and artillery. In the Klishivka area, fighting continued near Klishivka and east of Andreevka, with no change in the situation. Ukrainian forces continued to hold their defensive lines in southwest Donetsk, despite increased Russian attacks. In the Avdivka area, Russian forces continued to attack Ukrainian positions east of Novokolonova, southeast of Novobakhmutivka, 
and east of Stepove without success. Along the railroad grade, Bradley M2 infantry fighting vehicles, or IFVs, continued to hold back Russian advances. Russian troops continued their attempts to advance toward the Avdivka coke plant from the northeast without success. On the eastern edge of Avdivka, intense fighting was reported in the western part of the industrial district. There were renewed claims that Russian troops had advanced in the forested area and residential section without evidence. On the southern flank, Russian troops supported by the VKS continued their attacks in the area of Pervomaiske and east of Nevelske. In the Marienka area, Russian forces continued their attacks near Krasnohorivka on the edges of Marienka and east of Georgievka without success. In the southern part of Marienka, Ukrainian forces, using a javelin anti-tank guided missile, destroyed a Russian tank with an anti-mine troll. In the Vogledareyo, Russian troops supported by the VKS attacked Novomikhailivka from the northeast and south, suffered losses and retreated to their defensive positions. In the Staromlinivkaeyo, fighting continued west of Staromayorska. New Open Source Intelligence, or OSINT, confirmed the position of Russian troops in the Grey Area, and based on the improved intelligence, we adjusted the line of conflict. In Zaporizhia, positional fighting continued in the Urikhevayo. Russian troops tried to improve their positions west of Novopokrovka, Verbove and Robotene. A geolocated video confirmed an earlier report by Russian mercenary mail blogger Semyon Pegov of a Ukrainian advance to the northern edge of Novoprokopivka. Based on the new OSINT, we moved the line of conflict south of Robotene. The VKS carried out six airstrikes on Urikhiv, striking administrative buildings, warehouses and a high-rise. Less than 20% of the pre-war population still lives in the settlement due to almost two years of constant attacks. Next up, the Khersonyo. Fighting continued in Krynke and the forests to the south, with Ukrainian forces repelling 11 attacks. The situation is described as very difficult. Russian troops were attacked on the western administrative boundary of the settlement, and based on the OSINT, we expanded the gray area. Russian soldier and mail blogger Moses, who had over 12,000 followers on Telegram, was killed in action in Krynke on January 17. His last post read, quote, In the Krynke hell. Russian mercenary mail blogger Romanov Light claimed that during his deployment on the left bank of the Konka River, Moses had destroyed 31 Ukrainian boats and killed 498 soldiers. Do you know how ridiculous the claim is? The fictional Vietnam War character John Rambo Murdoch. I'm coming to get you. Had 493 on-screen kills across five movies. The franchise holds the world's record for the most on-screen kills in a single movie and the most on-screen kills by a single fictional movie character. Take all the time you need. Mission. Back to the report. At least two Iranian-sourced Shahid-136 one-way drones struck the city of Kherson, damaging homes in the Dnipro district. One woman was injured. 
It remains active in the Black Sea, occupied Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa. The Russian Black Sea Fleet has 11 vessels on patrol, including two missile carriers capable of launching up to 16 caliber cruise missiles. Significant surveillance activity by Russian drones continued despite unfavorable weather conditions. Russia's loss of multiple radars and electronic warfare stations in occupied Crimea and the drowning of the A-52U AWACS aircraft has likely degraded, at least temporarily, Russia's ability to coordinate missile strikes. In occupied Crimea, an accident at the Balaklava thermal power plant knocked out power at large parts of the peninsula, including Sevastopol, Sake and Feodosia. Power was restored after a four-hour outage. The Crimean Tatar insurgent group Atesh reported a Stenka-class project 205P anti-submarine coastal boat that used to belong to the Ukrainian Navy sunk at its mooring in Sevastopol. Prior to Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea, Ukraine had up to 10 of the 37-meter-long vessels. It is unknown if it was sunk during an earlier missile or drone attack or suffered an accident. Atesh also photographed two K-300P Bastion P mobile coastal defense launchers moving through Crimea. The K-300P fires P-800 Onyx supersonic anti-ship missiles, confirming that Russia has renewed its inventory after a five-month absence. The Israel-Hamas war is impacting grain shipments from Odessa. The Minister of Agrarian Policy and Food of Ukraine, Mykola Solsky, said that in January the pace of shipping activity was down 20%, with delays caused by the avoidance of the Suez Canal partially contributing to the reduction. Ukrainian grain that transits the Red Sea is shipped to East African nations, including United Nations-led humanitarian aid programs, and China, Ukraine's largest export grain customer. Here is the update for the Russian front. In Kaliningrad, Russian readiness drills involving Tobol electronic warfare systems disrupted GPS signals in northern and central Poland and southern Sweden. This is the second time in less than a month Russia has jammed GPS reception in Eastern Europe. The NATO alliance charter does not consider GPS interference as an act of aggression. In the Bryansk region, a Ukrainian drone struck the Klinsovsky fuel depot, causing a very large fire, which we link to in today's situation report. Russian officials claim that electronic warfare disabled the drone, which was successfully intercepted by a fuel storage tank. More than one tank is burning out of control, and a firefighting train was being sent to the region. The Minister of Strategic Industries of Ukraine, Oleksandr Komishin, said the drone that struck the St. Petersburg oil terminal was launched from Ukraine and flew a 1,250-kilometer route. A geolocated Russian video confirms that the drone did reach the terminal, but did not show an explosion. On January 15 in Krasnodar Krai, partisans destroyed two railroad control cabinets, disrupting rail service in Novorossiysk. Ukrainian hackers stole over 1.2 terabytes of data from the Russian Ministry of Defense, which shows the location and details of over 500 bases and facilities under the Directorate for Special Objects. After retrieving the data, they disabled seven servers and over 150 desktop computers. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast.
Our team of journalists, researchers, and analysts is funded by readers, listeners, and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Everything is going to plan. That's why Russia is talking about nuclear weapons and causing problems in Moldova. More on nuclear weapons in the theater-wide section. The Joint Control Commission, or JCC, Delegation of Moldova, demanded an investigation into Russian military exercises held by Russian forces in the breakaway Republic of Transnistria. The JCC is run by Russia, Transnistria and Moldova to regulate the demilitarized zone between Free Moldova and occupied Transnistria. On December the 22nd, Russian peacekeeping forces conducting exercises along the edge of the DMZ using weapons and equipment that were not previously declared. During the drill, Russian forces used simulated gunfire and conducted the exercise in violation of the JCC operating agreement, scaring Moldovan citizens. In December and January, OSCE monitors were barred from crossing the DMZ, even though representatives had notified Transnistrian officials in advance. Since 1992, Russia has maintained a 1,500-2,000 force called the Operational Group of Russian Forces. Let's talk about theater-wide events. During a press conference, the Foreign Minister of Russia, Sergei Lavrov, blamed the West for creating nuclear tensions during a press conference. Quote, all they ever say is that Putin threatens to use a nuclear bomb, although nothing like that has ever been said. Unlike the Europeans and Americans, the Germans themselves said Putin must know that we also have nuclear weapons. Wow. Moving to a fact check. Is it true? No. Russian President Vladimir Pele Putin has threatened to use nuclear weapons. On April the 27th, 2022, Putin said Russia would, quote, respond to any combative military provocation from outside of Ukraine with prompt preemptive action possible only with Russia's unique arsenal of nuclear weapons, unquote. On January the 23rd, 2023, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists adjusted the doomsday clock in part because of, quote, President Vladimir Putin's thinly veiled threat to deploy nuclear weapons. And on April the 24th, 2022, Lavrov himself said, quote, Further support of Ukraine could cause tensions, which could potentially lead to a World War III scenario involving Russia's full arsenal of weapons. Unquote. On January the 18th, Russia launched 127 discrete ground attacks and 81 airstrikes, signaling that a new offensive phase had started. Currently, it appears to be another wide-scale attack across almost every AO, trying to find weaknesses. The debris of a SSN-3 Shaddock turbine-powered anti-ship subsonic cruise missile that was shot down was found by Ukrainian forces. The first-generation P-5 missile entered service in 1959, with the upgraded P-6 introduced in 1962. The missiles can be launched from a ZIL-135KM eight-wheel transporter and director launch vehicle, also introduced in 1962. 
and is part of the 4K44 Redut Coastal Defense Complex. It's old. The Secretary of the National Security and Defense Council of Ukraine, Oleksiy Denilov, said that Ukraine was one of the top three drone producers in the world and that, quote, our partners are contacting us and studying the equipment produced by our private companies. If you think our reference to Vlad the Impaler is a little harsh, the Secretary of Foreign Affairs of the United Kingdom, David Cameron, skated the line of comparing Putin to Adolf Hitler during the Political Power Play podcast. Quote, this is like being a foreign minister or a leader of Europe in the 1930s. We have got to not appease Putin. We have got to stand up to the evil that his invasion represents. Unquote. During the Artillery Coalition conference in Paris, Minister of Defense of Ukraine Rustem Umerov said that Ukraine was critically short of ammunition. Quote, the shortage of ammunition is an extremely urgent problem that our armed forces are currently facing. We need to find a way to solve this problem together. Unquote. Adding that Russia was outshooting Ukraine as much as 10 to 1 in some AOs. France announced it was committed to building 78 Caesar 155mm self propelled howitzers SPGs, for Ukraine. And the first six had already been paid for. Paris also clarified that it would provide Ukraine with 50 AASM Hammer Hybrid guided bombs a month in 2024. The AASM is between an aerial bomb, glide bomb and rocket, with a published range of 70 km and a circular error probability of 10 m. The United States Congress passed a clean bill continuing resolution to fund parts of the U.S. government through March the 1st and other departments through March the 8th. The measure maintains funding at the 2023 level and did not include immigration reform, military aid for Ukraine, Israel, Taiwan or the Philippines, or humanitarian aid for Palestinians. Congress ended the weekly session a day early due to a snowstorm. Experts pointed out that President Biden still has over $4 billion in 2023 President Drawdown Authority funds that he could use to send more weapons to Ukraine. The White House has been reluctant to take this route because the Pentagon is insisting it is 100% sure that there will be funds from Congress to restock U.S. stockpiles. What's happening in the land of Mobix, Mobilization and Mir? The commander of the Radar Surveillance and Guidance Aviation Systems for the A-50U, Lieutenant Colonel Vyacheslav Levchenko, was the first crew member confirmed killed in action when the Russian AWACS plane was shot down over the weekend. As I previously covered, former Wagner Group mercenaries, who are now volunteer soldiers of the 331st Regiment, 98th Division, decided to break up a Russian military drug trafficking ring on their own initiative. The Wagnerites released a series of videos claiming that hashish was being sold to Russian service members, and they took into custody the people involved but did not notify the Ministry of Internal Affairs. The commander of the LNR traffic police said he would do everything to get his men released and see that the Wagnerites were imprisoned. The base in occupied Kadyevka was stormed and the Wagner mercenaries were taken into custody to be interrogated. We are linked to several videos with English subtitles in the Situation Report. 
in St. Petersburg, Russia, they did it again, handing immediate summons for military duty to 15 newly sworn-in citizens of the Russian Federation with their passports. President Vlad the Impaler Putin continues his purge of political enemies. Lavrov wasn't done saying absurd things while staring into a camera. Today, he declared, quote, The special military operation has helped to purge people who, in general, did not feel that they belonged to Russian history and Russian culture, unquote. A Moscow court has requested that our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, failed mobic, former little green man, angry patriot, and special guest of the Lefortova prison, Igor Strelkov-Girkin, be sentenced to four years and eleven months in prison for extremism, the maximum sentence. In a secret trial, the court determined that one of his posts on Telegram did not meet the legal requirements for extremism while a second one did. The final sentence will be announced on January the 25th, if Strelkov doesn't fall out of window first. Human rights activist Gregory Winter was sentenced to three years in prison for violating Russia's so-called don't-say-war laws for spreading fake news. In March 2022, he reposted a news story about the Mariupol drama theater bombing, and in April 2022, he left a comment on a social media post about Bucha massacre. Speaking at his sentencing, Winter, who is insulin-dependent, asked to be euthanized because Russia does not provide insulin to prisoners. Quote, Real imprisonment for me actually means execution, and public execution associated with long-term suffering and painful death. This is not just 1937, this is perverted pathological sadism for which the Federal Penitentiary Service of the Russian Federation is now known throughout the world. Winter's reference to 1937 is the year that Joseph Stalin tightened a mass purge in the Soviet Union. The Ministry of Culture of Russia, through a decree signed by President Putin, declared that federal theaters must have live performances that adhere to, quote, traditional spiritual and moral values. Secretary Cameron's 1930s Germany comparison was on the mark, with the guidelines requiring performances to focus on patriotism, service to the fatherland, strong family, priority of the spiritual over the material, collectivism, and honoring historical memory. I have a great idea for a Russian play that focuses on patriotism, fatherland, and historical memory. They could do a production called the Molotov-Ribbentrop Follies, showing how Stalin and Hitler jointly invaded Poland in September 1939, starting World War II in Europe. And that's what we know. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.